Thanks for waking up with Dominique DePrima on KBLA Talk 1580. And I do appreciate you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I don't know what is going on with my voice today, but um, we are talking with a candidate uh, for District 10 of the Los Angeles City Council. Actually, this is our first uh, official CD10 uh, interview. Uh, she is a Colombian immigrant community leader, uh, Afro-Latina, uh, fearless environmental justice advocate. I'm reading the bio right now, and renewable energy advisor. Mm-hmm. Um, out of Vasquez, welcome. Good morning. It's great to be here. Thank you for the invite. Uh, it's great to have you in. Uh, her name is spelled A U R A uh, for the people.com. That's what I'm reading for from. That is her. Um, campaign website Uh um so we'll get into your background a little bit but what is it that you do now yeah so oh boy i've you know when people ask me what do you do uh, you know for a living and that's such a complex question to answer because (laughs) i am a community organizer at heart and then you know once you're a community organizer you're always a community organizer and even though i work with you know, the private, sec- private sector in the renewable energy space, environmental space, um, I get to bring that kind of lens and, you know, methodology and mentality and ethos to the work that I do there, you know, whether I'm helping, you know, schools get to 100% renewable energy or whether I'm, you know, asking a, an industry that oftentimes has been, incentivized to go to other places other than, you know, more black or Latino spaces. Um, you know, the organizer part is, is a really core in my heart, you know. But I went to school for political science. I'm, I'm immigrated to this country when I was 18 from Colombia with my family. Uh, like many other Colombians, we came to, you know, to New York first. You know, that's kind of like the epicenter of all the Colombians in the East Coast. And so I went to school in New York and I was an undocumented student for probably my whole time in, in college. So you count as a dreamer? I, I guess. I think yeah. so. I yeah. think so. And, you know, I always tell people that the most remarkable part uh, about being undocumented and going to college was you know, the kind of discipline and the kind of returning to like, why I, did I come here to begin with? Why am I doing what I'm doing? You know, because I had to work nights and days. I work as a nanny, as a bartender. I was a waitress. I, you know, sold things on the, stri- in the street. I work in clothing uh, stores and you name to, you know, to, to sustain myself and also to pay for college. So the tenacity sometimes that a lot of dreamers and a lot of just undocumented people have uh, when they come to this country is something really remarkable and something that I'm really proud of. So um, you identify as Afro-Latina. But if I looked at you, I wouldn't necessarily say she's black. Or if I looked at your mom and dad, these pictures, I wouldn't necessarily say that. So and I, you know, I mean, my former husband is Afro-Latino, so I know the... I'm familiar with, you know, the history of, of um, Afro-Latinos throughout the Latino, Latin American diaspora. Yeah. Um, but why do you, you know, why do you identify as, as Afro-Latina? You know, my dad's family, both of my sides of my family are, are pretty mixed. Um, you know, my dad being more of the black, you know, person, my grandmother also, you know, from his side. Um, you know, we're... 
uh, I mean, you and I can take a picture and people maybe will think we're cousins or, you know, because we're a little lighter skin. But I think it's also very cultural for me uh, because where I grew up, you know, I come from a city in Colombia, the second largest Afro-Latino city in, the, in Latin America. We are very black, very drummy. Big salseros, you know, I always explain this to people because in Latin America, salsa music is the, you know, is the dance and the music. No, I mean, which is basically Afro-Cuban <coughs> music exactly. in, in, in many different iterations, right? Yeah, totally. So, you know, so for me, it's, it's, it's not only that I grew up with that, uh, you know, upbringing, but also grew up with the other stuff that were not so great, you know, that seeing my dad being discriminated against. And sometimes people talk about, in Latin America, people talk about, uh, you know, black Latinos as, you know, they're those people, you know, that happens there too. I mean, of course, the the uh, right, white supremacist model is worldwide. Yeah. And, and yeah, uh, so Afro-Latino, but the thing about race is it's, it's based on phenotype. It's based on how you look. I'm sure plenty mm. of people here in LA hear you talk and they think, oh, she's Mexican or Guatemalan or, you know, just because you speak Spanish. Yeah, it, people, it, especially because of my accent. So sometimes I go to uh, spaces where if I don't say anything, people think I'm a mix, black and white, you know. And when they hear my accent, then they get very confused because I don't sound Mexican, which is like the majority or, or, or uh, you know, um, you know, um, from Central America somewhere. So they're like, what are you? You know, so mm -hmm. and there's not a lot of Colombians here. I think that is maybe a little more than 150,000, you know, Colombians in Los Angeles. So we're a very small, you know, community compared to like Florida, for example, where there's a lot of us there. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, you are running for Council District 10. This would be your first time in elected office, right? Yeah. So why start with such a big job? I, I asked this to someone else the other day. Why not go to school board or, yeah. uh, you know, neighborhood council? Well, school board is a pretty big job in it LA is. too. Yeah, but, but, it's, I, but I mean, but a council district is like bigger than most towns. Yeah, I have been elected to the neighborhood council now twice. Okay. Uh, in 2012, I was the first Afro-Latina to be elected in the in the neighborhood council system in all, in all LA, you know, and... I was elected at the Wilshire Center Koreatown Neighborhood Council, so I was also the only Latina among lots of, you know, Korean people. Um, I lived in Koreatown when I first moved to L.A., so, you know, um, I felt uh, called to serve there, so I ran, and I, and I won, and I represented a voice um, that was very much needed. And, you know, last year, or last year or two years ago, I think last year, um, I got elected to my local neighborhood council again. Uh, this really through the work that I did in the pandemic where I founded a nonprofit organization called Ready to Help. And, you know, kind of like the word got out. We give food vouchers to people that didn't have, uh, you know, enough to buy groceries, refurbish computers for kids that didn't have computers to go to distance school. And the most proud for me as an environmental justice advocate also open school playgrounds as community parks in an area where there's not enough open space and, and, you know, parks in Los Angeles. So, you know, I have been dipping my toes. Well, you, when you started, you started out in Orange County and moved here. Yeah. I mean, started your activism, yeah. let me put it that way. Um, let me, let me ask you, you know, you know, the politics of the LA City Council, especially the infamous tape. Um, it, some people may feel I'm sure this is this is a conversation 
why is this the right time to have a Latina, especially an immigrant, um, jump over an African American for uh, for the tenth district? Yeah, it's currently occupied by Heather Hutt, the elected. The person we elected, I am a resident of CD10, was Mark Ridley Thomas. Mm-hmm. There is clearly some kind of uh, targeting of black elected officials in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So is this the right time for you to step into that specific seat? I mean, given the drama with Nuri Martinez and, and Kevin DeLeon, who you know still refuses to go away, um, mm-hmm. and the anti-blackness mm-hmm. coming out, documented, coming out of our city hall from Latinos. Yeah. Well, I don't think that is in a better time and place to do it. Somebody that can bring unity, somebody that can bring, you know, both communities together, somebody that has been in the trenches asking also elected officials like Kevin DeLeon and Nuri Martinez to step down because what happened in those recordings was a shame. It was not just shameful, it was wrong. And I think that this is the time for us to come together as a community so that we can advocate for more and we can demand for more and we can have more. Because I believe that over, you know, across color lines and ethnicities and where you're from and what kind of language you speak and your accent or not, I think there's so much work to do, reparations. I mean, comprehensive immigration reform, which is not something that is a local issue, but it's definitely something that is in the heart of mind. And as we see districting, evolving so much in five years district 10 is not going to be majority black or latino it's going to be majority white yeah more than likely you know so i mean i have been watching the trends just kind of keeping an eye on the redistricting process and just i see my neighborhood you know change so much so i think that the, the best time for us to unify is now and I couldn't think about a better person that is going to bring people together. I have already been doing that for years. Uh, that has her heart in the right place. That understands how to, uh, you know, move policy through with like a very strong pulse in the community and what they need. So I couldn't think about it. And not because I'm speaking about myself, but I, I really think that this is the time. But that we have an incredible opportunity to show the world how much more we can do together and we can get together. We're talking with um, Aura Vasquez. Um, she is running for Council District 10 in Los Angeles, which is really a very, probably one of the most diverse council districts because yeah. you do have a Koreatown, you have south parts of South LA, mm-hmm. you have parts of LA's uh, more affluent West Side. You say you're going to bring folks together. Let's talk about how you'll do that. I also want to talk about specific policies uh, and practices that you plan to put in place should you win CD10 and why um, you think that you can get it done. We'll look at all that when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. Say the quiet part out loud. KBLA Talk 1580. We're not for everybody, but we're for everybody. You're listening to KBLA Talk 1580. And we're talking with Aura Vasquez. She is running to be your city council person if you live in Council District 10. As I do. So let's talk a policy. We talk a little bit about identity and mm-hmm. your background, your work, your qualifications, some of the thorny issues of CD10. Um, what do you want to do? Like what in, you know, in, in nuts and bolts stuff? Yeah, some of the most urgent things that community members, residents of District 10 across the board talk about is housing. 
the housing crisis, yeah. the lack of actually of housing and of homelessness, which is I feel like we're in a humanitarian crisis too, not just you know seeing folks on the street, but all of the other implications. In fact, not long ago in this, you know, here in Lemmer Park, somebody died on the streets, an older man um, and house member of our community. So yeah, when we know people die on the streets of LA every day, yeah, right? and yeah. it's and it's it's so unimaginable to think that people die more of hypothermia, homeless folks that more of hypothermia in Los Angeles than in New York or like in, in like cold weather cities. It's, it's just crazy uh, to think about it when you think about it. Um, you know, so housing, homelessness. Um, but what be- do you do about it? I mean, we know it's a problem. What does one council yeah, so, person do about so that? So we need, to, as, as council people, you know, we we have the power to just expedite and like open the pipeline to build more housing. Yeah. So, I mean, famously, um, when Herb Wesson was over Council District 10, he had a brick wall trying to put up um, housing in Koreatown, for example. The yeah. NIMBY situation is real. So some of these things, we talk about them and they sound good, but how do you get it done? Yeah. So, you know, we're lucky that right now we have uh, you know, Mayor Bass, who has op- a streamlined, you know, a lot of the bureaucracy around uh, building more affordable housing. So right now is really kind of bringing more resources to especially main corridors. And I want to be clear about this because the NIMBYism that you just mentioned is really uh, a lot of times comes from like homeowners, you know, single family mm-hmm. homeowners. Yeah. So, but we have tons of main corridors. We have Pico, we have Venice, we have Crenshaw. We, I mean, we have so many where we could be in a, build a little more density that is mixed, that has commercials so that we can revitalize the local economy and also invest in local businesses. And, um, you know, and at the same time, like, can we start alleviating this issue that we have, like, not enough housing stock? So it's making the housing that we have now really expensive, you know, so. Yeah. Okay, what else is on your list? So that's one. Before I move on from that, where do you stand on these anti-camping ordinances? So 41, I think, is proven that it doesn't work. We can't sweep our way out of, you know, homelessness. Moving uh, unhoused folks from one corner to the next doesn't address the issue. I know that for a lot of neighbors, it makes them feel good. You know that, okay, clean my encampment. It's in the corner. And I know the other issue is that a lot of encampments sit like right across the street from schools or churches. And it's an extremely difficult situation for community members. But I think working with, uh, you know, the Care Plus, you know, units and, you know, all of the tools that we have to kind of get people housed and give them services, which is my second part of, you know, of my policy is something really important. We have Tons of unhoused people that are that have mental health issues. That even if you give them a voucher to go to a motel or find them a house, like they they literally mentally can't. You know, so those folks need a lot of resources, mental health, and also, uh, you know, drug abuse. So, are you in support of the care courts uh, system that Gavin Newsom has put is starting to roll out? Well, you know, he's taking a pretty serious stand about. If, if you, you know, if you don't want to get help, you got to get help. And I, I believe that not everybody is the same. You know, we have, I, I have seen, you know, people defecate on the streets in front of me. I have seen, uh, you know, people run around naked. And I think those people at that point, you really have to intervene because I don't think they like physically can decide what's best for them. 
So some of it is imp is, is necessary, but I think the accountability and, and, and treating these policies with responsibility is going to be key. Yeah. Um, okay. And, and what about uh, public safety? I mean, we have like sort of a progressive block on the um, city council, right? Well, yeah. it's, it's, I don't know if it's a block. It, sometimes it's a block. Sometimes it's a sliver. <laughs> um, but for example, the, you know, the police budget um, was massively increased this last year and only a couple people voted against it. One of them, uh, council member Nithya Raman now being targeted I by know. the LA police union. Where would you put yourself in that range? Yeah. I mean, I believe that our police department needs more accountability. I, I don't think that, you know, they're doing what they, in fact, I feel like after the pandemic, there is a trend of people reporting that they called the police because of burglary or they stole a package, whatever it is. And the police tell them, well, it's nothing we can do. You take more than half of our budget. I think the least you can do is quote unquote your job. So, you know, we're in a very interesting predicament because they, 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 they're the first department or in, in any kind of job that I had had, nonprofits, private sector, like, you know, anything. I have never been uh, seen a situation where you don't do your job and then you have your hand down, ask for more. And, and this is kind of the attitude. So if you were sitting there, you know, in that council, do you think you would have voted for that budget? Probably not. <clears throat> mm -mm. Simply because I'm, I believe that we need more resources for, you know, neighborhoods to, for infrastructure. We, we have, I mean, we're coming there. I hope we're coming there, but like lighting. Yeah, you well, know? let's go there. I mean, a lot of a, you know, a city council person's job is potholes yes, and street and, lights and, but, you know, you know, I, I, uh, in 20, I ran for this seat also against Marily Thomas in 2020 and the LA Times did a, a reporting about me being the, the, the candidate that walked the most. I was always walking, like knocking on doors, you know. And and as a person that loves the field and loves going canvassing and talking to people, after it gets dark, there are places in our community where you just don't, can't even see your hands for the, like, I mean, it's so dark. And I don't understand why. The police is getting 60% of our budget and we can't just, get new lights that are maybe solar power that have Wi-Fi and that can really be a great benefit to, you know, to, to residents. So, you know, so that's where I stand with, you know, can we invest more in infrastructure? Can we invest in keeping people renters housed so that they don't end up homeless? So that when, you know, when adversity happens, you lose your job, you get in an accident, is something happen in, in, you know, in your life and you're just one paycheck away from being homeless so that we can provide that, you know, support so that they don't end up with an eviction because it's more expensive to deal with people once they are on the streets that, that you know, supporting them to stay in their homes. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm a renter, so I feel very passionate. So you guys notice the, the, you know, the, the energy because I'm very passionate about uh, this topic because I have been there. I have been in, in moments where I have to decide, do I pay for my health insurance or do I pay for rent? Yeah. And that's a hard decision that every day Angelinos have to make. Yeah. So um, would you describe yourself as a progressive? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And what does that mean to you? You know, um, uh, I I have always been very critical of the Democratic Party, even though I have been a Democrat my whole life. 
And uh, my parents are Democrats back home, whatever the Democratic Party is home, you know. And and I ran to be a delegate a few years ago, and I won by a slight light. Like, I was amazed that actually Democrats even cared about me, you know. And um, and I introduced the No Fossil Fuel Pledge to the Democratic Party in California. So we are the the uh, largest Democratic Party in the country. One of every three Democrats live in California. So for me, as an environmental justice, you know, advocate was really important that my party will take a stand. And we got bamboozled on a bunch of stuff, and it didn't happen. But I think that that was really a testament of what progressiveness means to me. On on how we started thinking about the future and start really putting our money where our mouth is and, you know, and, and how I was a catalyst to bring more women's rights, you know, um, uh, 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 supporting more women's rights at the at the Democratic Party and just in general. You know, I, I have been fighting the fossil fuel industry since I was a child. Mm-hmm. And that alone, I think, is a very progressive thing to do. But also my stance on life safety. I believe that community safety, you know, taking care of each other and, and treating, you know, uh, this practice as something that it prepares for catastrophe and disasters is going to be important, especially with my background on climate action, is, is, is something that we need to really start thinking about. You know, and as we work on those neighborhood watch and like all of those community policing, we need to also get people to prepare for extreme heat, for a tsunami. We live next to the ocean for like this extreme weather, sometimes like flooding and like all these things, because again, taking care of each other is not just going to be about if somebody's going to come and steal my car at some point. It's like if I'm going to be able to survive, you know, in a world where we're going to see the struggles of climate change more. Um, just got a couple minutes here. Um, so, uh, you know, I'll let you do say what you want to say, make your pitch. But I would add we're unapologetically progressive, but also unapologetically black. black. So mm-hmm. let me know, like, if you want to add to your closing arguments here, um, why I as a black woman who lives in CD10 should choose you. Yeah, absolutely. Or just black people in general. And, yeah. you know, at the beginning of this campaign, uh, you know, the African-American community was the most supportive of me running. Because I feel that there's a lot of black people in District 10 and all over Los Angeles that really want to see more uh, cooperation, unity. Because a lot of us know that we can, the, the, the unite, united we're stronger. Like literally, uh, you know, as a lot of the labor movement use this expression. But I, but one thing that I want to like leave folks that are listening is that I'm here to be uh, your ally. I'm here to fight for you. Uh, that I am well-versed in what it's like to also be discriminated against as someone that is also, you know, Afro-Latina and also that has an accent. That's a thing. We didn't talk about when I was in my days at DWP, but, you know, at another time we can. Um, But uh, I understand the struggle as a renter, as someone that drives a moped. Like, I don't have a car. You know, I drive a Vespa because I truly believe. I mean, and it's great. It helps me with saving money for gas and, and, and you know, less traffic. I never problem with parking. And it's just happy, you know. But, um, but for the all-black community here in District 10, I, I want to invite them to join my movement. Join a movement for a city that is sustainable, that is uh, affordable, and that works for us. 
you know, that I am here to be an ally and a defender of reparations, of, you know, Medicare for all, <laughs> you know, and, and housing for as a human right. So absolutely. And you can find out more at AuraForThePeople.com. It's A-U-R-A, like Aura. Outa for the people.com. Thank you so much for coming in, sitting here with us and giving us a, a taste of what you're looking to do in CD10. I love it. Thank you so much for inviting me. News, traffic, and sports. And then uh, you're welcome to call me. We'll also be hearing from Dr. Melina Abdullah, KBLA Talk 1580.